The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. All right, Craig, thank you. It is uh, Monday, March 6, 2023. I'm Dave Congleton. In about an hour, Dr. Kathleen Karens from Cal Poly talks about her new book, At Home in the World, California Women and the Post-War Environmental Movement. We're going to talk about some very important women who played a major role in shaping the environmental movement over the last few decades. Uh, this hour... We're going to talk a little bit about former President Jimmy Carter and a lot about hospice. Uh, you know the story. Uh, Jimmy Carter is 98 years old. He announced last week that he has decided to enter hospice. What exactly does that mean? Uh, we're joined by two members of the Central Coast Home Health and Hospice Organization to address this and related issues. We have uh, Brian Pritt here, and we also have Dr. Steve Sainsbury. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Nice to see you both. Good afternoon. Thanks, Thanks for coming in. Thanks for Brian, us. how are you? Very good. Thank you. Brian, uh, take a second. Give us an overview of Central Coast Home Health and Hospice. Sure. So uh, Central Coast Home Health and Hospice, uh, we started here in San Luis Obispo County in 2008. Um, I started the home health side of things. Um, with three business partners. Uh, we're all local clinicians here. And um, we started on the home health side, always knowing that we would uh, evolve into hospice. Uh, we had to create our names for ourselves before we stepped into the hospice market as it's a very specified uh, treatment plans as opposed to the generic home health side of things. So we started uh, the hospice side in about 2010. So we're about 13 years into providing hospice care in our county and San, Santa Barbara County now. We'll hear more about that in a minute. Uh, Dr. Steve, what's your connection? My connection is, is that I'm working as a medical, one of the medical directors for Central Coast Hospice. Um, I, I have an area that includes San Luis Obispo and the coastal communities like Los Osos, Morro Bay, and Cambria. And I serve. I provide medical direction to the uh, nurses and and the other uh, volunteers and and workers that uh, work with the hospice patients. All right. So, uh, doctor, let me go to you. Let's talk about Jimmy Carter. Uh, former President Carter is ninety eight years old. He's had a long and uh, amazing life. Now he's entering hospice. What exactly does that mean? Well, I know th I looked up Jim Jimmy Carter and to try to see why he particularly went on hospice uh, a few days ago. I do know that about uh, last year he had uh, melanoma, which had uh, metastasized to his brain and to his liver, and he underwent treatment, and he said uh, that he was in remission uh, near the end of, of this last year. But since that time, he's fallen a few times. One time he broke his hip. One time he got a bleed into his brain that required surgery. And then the current issue is, is that he was going to the hospital for treatments. They... It's confidential. No one, no one really knows why. I, one could make the assumption it might be that his melanoma has returned, but he's chosen to no longer seek treatment for his life-threatening disease, instead going on to hospice, which provides comfort care outside of the hospital and allows nature to take its course. And during that time, hospice provides all the care needed 
for a comfortable transition. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's checking out. Oh, absolutely not. In fact, he could be on hospice for months uh, as as long as as he meets the criteria to be on hospice, uh, and we could could and they could keep providing care to him. Yeah. Were you surprised at his decision? Do you understand it as a as a doctor? I'm not at all surprised. Every day, almost, I get a new patient that's made a very similar decision. They have a, some type of life threatening illness, maybe congestive heart failure, maybe Alzheimer's, maybe cancer, and they're just uh, do not no longer want to have the debilitation and uh, extensive treatment and care and diagnosis. Instead, they want to just be surrounded by their family uh, and have as much comfort, pain control, and relief as possible as they as they negotiate the final months of their disease and their life. Brian, what's your reaction to the Jimmy Carter story? I think it's probably one of the better things to happen for hospice in general across the board. And I say that in the sense of I think that it's a big, scary word. And I hope that Jimmy Carter thrives and has a very high-end quality of life for however long that may may be. Um, Just what Dr. Sainsbury was stating, um, a lot of times people enter into the hospice concept and just, I'm going to backtrack for a second and just how you introduced that Jimmy Carter entered into hospice. I just want to clarify that you're not really entering into anything other than deciding to accept that you're no longer going to seek seek a curative treatment for your disease process, but but you're going to be accepting care for quality of life and trying to maintain the best outcome of what that is. Right. This is what the media termed it, though. He's decided to enter a hospice. I agree. And I think that that is part of the issue is that the media in general doesn't really understand what hospice is in the sense of it sounds like you're entering into a hospital or you're going... Which is why you're here today. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so he's 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 getting his treatment at home, right. and that's what the majority of the hospice patients do receive is the treatment at home. I would guess that probably ninety five percent or greater receive their hospice treatment at home, not in a hospice facility. In our county, we used to have uh, one of the other hospice agencies had some beds at a at a skilled nursing facility, but I don't think there's any specific hospice facility. Uh, in in our area. Everyone here in our area is treated at home on hospice. So who might give, uh, and I know he's different because he's a former president, but in a hospice situation like that, who's actually providing the care? Who's coming to see Jimmy Carter on a daily basis? Yeah, so what what will happen is, uh, let's just say that Jimmy Carter is Jimmy Rodriguez. And so Jimmy Rodriguez uh, receives, because I'm assuming... President Carter has many physicians that he would call his own. But let's say the average Joe um, is no longer going to seek a curative treatment plan. And he says, I'm tired of going into the hospital to have my blood stuck and drawn. And I want to see what else is out there. And so um, he might say to his physician, uh, you know, do I really want to go on like this? And the physician might say, well, no, you could opt to have hospice care. And so... The physician would say, I can recommend that you would try to call Central Coast Home Health and Hospice and give them a call and let's see what happens. I'll send a referral over. And if you're up for it, what we would do then is we would receive that 
information. We would reach out to the patient, and then we would send a uh, nurse to go out and meet with that patient and discuss what exactly hospice care is. Um, And so at that point, the patient um, would then determine that's the style of treatment that I would like to have. Um, Now, if that patient comes on hospice, um, and let's say that they're on for a congestive heart failure. Um, if they fall and break their leg, they could still, they would absolutely go in for treatment for that. So it's not as if you're giving up any medical treatment whatsoever. You're just going to give up the curative care for that congestive heart failure. But do I have to be dying to go into hospice, Brian? Your diagnosis should be six months or less. Hmm. However, that six month is not a crystal ball. Yeah, you're the doctor, doctor. It's very difficult to know for sure how long a person has. Um, and so that six month is kind of a, a guideline. I've had many hospice patients that have uh, survived long beyond the six months and have received hospice care for a longer period of time. And some people have come onto hospice and just within a matter of days or weeks have passed away. But the, the Medicare criteria say that it, it, within reasonable certainty, there's about six months or less to live based on the primary diagnosis, like congestive heart failure, like metastatic cancer, like, like emphysema, like Alzheimer's or other types of dementia. Those are some of the more common ones, that, uh, patients that we get. All right. We are talking about uh, former President Jimmy Carter and hospice and hospice in general, getting a little bit of uh, education here. Courtesy of my guest, Dr. Steve Sainsbury and Brian Pritt from Central Coast Home Health and Hospice. We'll pick up the conversation as we continue right here on AM 920, FM 96.5, News Talk, KVEC. Not an easy subject, but it's something that we're all going to have to address at one time or another, either for ourselves or for a family member. And former President Jimmy Carter is showing the way, I submit, as we talk about hospice with our guest Brian Pritt and Dr. Steve Sainsbury from Central Coast Home Health and Hospice. By the way, Brian, what's the website? CentralCoastHomeHealth.com. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, first text already in, does hospice reach out to the homeless? Yes. Yeah, we'll certainly treat any hospice patient wherever we need to. Um, We have part of hospice is it's a full caregiver package, so to speak. We have nurses, we have social workers, we have physicians, we have volunteers. Um, spiritual counselors. Spiritual counselors. But if they're homeless, where do you, you say most of them you're treated at home, but if you don't have a home. We, we would work and we would find something for that patient. Okay. And, so uh, that's the, part of the, the social workers could get involved and they oftentimes can find them a place, if nothing else, at the homeless shelter. I know that I've had some hospice patients through Central Coast Hospice at the homeless shelter. Uh, where I've gone and and seen them and treated them there. When you have a high-profile case like Jimmy Carter, does this increase inquiries and coverage and the discussion? Are you hearing more from people? Yes, absolutely, Um, Mm -hmm. including within our own staff. And that's why I decided to reach out to have a little coverage if we could, Dave, and I thank you for that. Um, But just even among our little – we have an interdisciplinary team meeting, and um, Lester Holt from NBC, he finally said that – Jimmy Carter was receiving hospice care versus 
entering into hospice. That's so, a big deal for you. It is. It, it is. I'm sticking on that point. I don't get the difference. It's a semantic thing, but it just seems... He's entering hospice. He's getting hospice care. Right. It's right. just, I guess, the old school concept was you would go to a place, not necessarily your home. And I think the majority of people I know would prefer to pass away at home versus an institution. Absolutely. But here's the deal. I'm always confused on these hospitals. There's so many of you. There's Wilshire Hospice and Dignity Hospice and Hospice Hospice and Hospice of Slow County and Central Coast Hospice. Yeah, so there's three um, medically certified, um, federally Medicare certified hospice agencies, which the ones that provide the nursing, the physician care. Um, and then there are um, volunteer hospice agencies where they don't provide the skilled medical care. And so the three big ones in our area are ourselves, Dignity, and um, Wilshire. Hospice of Slow is considered a non-medical hospice. They provide terrific counseling services, grief Mm. counseling, uh, licensed social worker support, but they don't provide the medical care that the other three, including Central Coast Hospice, provide uh, physician oversight, uh, nursing uh, care, and medication uh, uh, procurement to help the patient, things like that. I bet Jimmy Carter has a doctor. For his hospice. He does have a doctor. He probably has his own doctor supervising his hospice care. That's another aspect of hospice people might not be aware of. Let's say that uh, a person has metastatic cancer and decides he doesn't want to go through chemotherapy or radiation therapy anymore. He doesn't want to go to the hospital anymore. He's going to go and and receive hospice care. Uh, He can choose to have his primary care doctor, his uh, cancer doctor, uh, supervises hospice care right up, in, uh, right up into his, until his death, or he could choose to have me, for example, supervises hospice care. He, the, the, the patient has their choice. All right, here's a long text, but this person sounds like they know what they're talking about on the Stolberg-Tatum line. Hospice is a very special treatment team and care. Keep in mind the patient must agree to be a DNR. I assume that means do not resuscitate. Medicare will no longer pay a hospital. All funds for this patient will go to the hospice organization. There's no more going to the hospital when they feel ill or when they believe they need more care. Hospice is the only care team at this point. Hospice is not a bad thing. It's a treatment team that keeps you or your loved ones comfortable when all things go sideways towards the end of life. People can live in hospice for a month, and furthermore, some can heal and leave hospice, but that's very rare. That's super well put, and I, would, I wouldn't I would say that it's super rare. Um, we discharge patients from hospice all the time. And, um, you know, it's just like <laughs> I was using an analogy of a plant the other day. You know, if you have a plant that's just sitting in the corner and you occasionally put water on it, that plant's going to barely thrive. But then all of a sudden, this hospice team comes in and starts really doting on a patient and really giving this attention and love. And then all of a sudden, this patient just pops back to life, so to speak. I mean, I'm not being facetious of that popping back to life, but I mean, they just thrive. It has happened. And, and sometimes the, the doctors are wrong and their patient's diagnosis is not a terminal one and they get better. Like, for example, the patient may have emphysema and it seems like they're going downhill and are not going to be able to survive. They receive all of this outstanding hospice care and they, and they do thrive. They get better and they can come off hospice with no bridges burned. They can come off hospice and then go back on later if they need to. All right, Dr. Steve Sainsbury and Brian Pritt on this broadcast talking about Jimmy Carter and hospice. Ron is in Royal Grande on KVEC. Hi, Ron. 
Hi, Dave. Hi, How Ron. are you? Good. Uh, I know a little bit about a, about hospice. My wife uh, uh, was in on the pilot program with Medicare back in the early 80s, so I've been a hospice husband for a while. And then I also was with uh, hospice partners of the Central Coast doing their fundraising events, et cetera, for about nine years. Um, I uh, heard what you read on that text that if somebody is on hospice, the way I believe it, I'm a layperson, I'm not a doctor or a nurse or anything else like that, that if there's certain things that can alleviate pain in a hospice patient, sometimes radiation, uh, I believe, is is uh, used, uh, they can go get it. It's they're, they're, If it's going to extend their life, no, that's a different story. But if it's going to alleviate some pain, then they can go into the hospital. And, and as uh, one of your guests had said before, if they break their leg, uh, yeah, they can go into the uh, hospital and, and have it fixed or, or whatever. That it's They're not treating the hospice care that they're getting. And uh, so, yeah, hospice, hospice is a good thing. It really is. Come in, gentlemen. Yeah, 100%. He's spot on. Um, yeah, it's patients, patients all the time um, ebb and flow. And so that's why that whole concept of what Steve was saying is that if they decide that they're going to start seeking treatment and they're feeling better about it, then they discharge off and they start seeking curative cares again, mm-hmm. um, especially as a younger family. Um, that's usually more, more apt to pro as opposed to the elderly. I'd like to dispel the notion. I know that oftentimes if I've brought up hospice, not oftentimes, occasionally when I've brought up hospice with a patient, they have this impression that they're going to be put on an ice floe and pushed out to sea, that that they really aren't going to get much care at all. And I have to really emphasize that it's not a less care that they're receiving. They're actually receiving more care. A nurse will come in uh, two or three times a week, and if necessary, every day uh, if it's if it's necessary for pain management and control. A licensed social worker will help to arrange for them to get their financial situations straightened out if they're needing to go into a nursing home or a, or a residential care facility and will help them out. Yeah. They will help them out with respite care to give the family a break. Uh, there'll be a spiritual counselor that uh, that can treat all types of, of spiritual conditions. All right, Ron, I got about a minute. Anything else from you, sir? Yeah, I just, uh, I, you know, I, I, I lived hospice for uh, 30 some years, uh, 39 years with my wife, and, and I was part of it for nine years. And when we first got up here 32 uh, years ago, a lot of the doctors would wait until the patient was on their deathbed to put a patient on hospice. And that has changed, thank God, uh, with some education uh, over those years when I was with hospice partners doing the media and what have you, is, is that they realized that a person should be going on hospice a little bit sooner than five hours before they die. I'm glad you called, Ron. Thank you. Agree with that, Brian? Yes, 100%. He hit the hit the nail on the head there. Um, yeah, when we first started the hospice agency here in our community, it was really sad because um, there would be times when patients wouldn't come on hospice immediately. And um, I just, now that we have the agencies here, um, you know, the the three agencies are able to upkeep with the population needed. All right. We're in conversation with Brian Pritt and Dr. Steve Sainsbury from Central Coast Home Health and Hospice, talking about former President Carter and hospice in general. More of your phone calls when we come back. This is Hometown Radio.
You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Tough subject here, but important subject. Former President Jimmy Carter is receiving hospice. All right, Brian likes that. (laughs) So we're talking about uh, President Carter and hospice, doing a little education here. Courtesy of our guests, Brian Pritt, Dr. Steve Sainsbury, both representing Central Coast Home Health and Hospice, where, Brian, the website is? CentralCoastHomeHealth.com. And uh, Dr. Steve, explain to us where the term hospice comes from. The way that I understand it is during the Middle Ages, a hospice was a place of refuge, often runs, run by religious orders where travelers could, uh, could find a place of refuge. And so it kind of morphed into the term today where hospice is a place of refuge for a different type of traveler, a traveler from this life to the next, if there is one. If you want to uh, join us, please do, 805-543-8830. Call in, text in, chime in. On the Stolberg Tatum text line, a listener writes, my mother has graduated from hospice twice. How many times can that happen? There's no there's no prescribed number of times per se, Dave. Um, it's the same concept. As long as you qualify for the hospice six months, of diagnosis of non-compatible with life then and again that's a crystal ball guesstimating um so they can come on and off as many times as they feel this person should be happy the the texter's mother must be a remarkable woman to have graduated twice from hospice in the best way you can graduate by getting better yeah uh also on the stallberg tatum line gary checks on hi gary my dad had hospice before he passed in 2018. Great care, great people. They even pronounced it at roughly 10 p.m. the night he died. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not unusual at all. Um, so what happens is uh, there's a lot of education that goes on, um, both from the, the nursing and the social worker. Um, and we prepare the family uh, if that's how the patient chooses to pass, if they want to pass at home, which I would say the majority of them do. And uh, so let's say during the six months of all of this, there's kind of a, uh, a natural flow of as you're getting closer and closer to death. Um, we prepare the family to look for the signs and symptoms. Um, and then as the family is usually the one that will call the nurse and say, hey, I think mom may have passed. Um, and then we'll send a nurse out. It's 24 um, seven. One of our nurses will come out and actually pronounce the patient that has passed away. And if you think about it, that's pretty remarkable care that uh, even if, if it's not right at the time of passing, but if there's a pain issue, if there's a vomiting issue, if there's any type of medical issue, that there's 24-7 service uh, to reach a hospice pers- person to help out. Uh, that's not available out of hospice a lot of times without going to the ER or going to the hospital. I want to follow up on the conversation right before the news break, the fact that hospice has changed Brian, that in the old days, they waited to the last minute to put somebody in hospice. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that was by choice. Um, I think it was just, that's the way it was. Um, And as as we're getting more evolved and more aware of the quality of life um, and what hospice really does bring into the picture, um, just as one of your early texters had mentioned that the the sooner they get on service, the better they can be. Um, not only for bouncing in and out of the emergency room um, or the care, it's just getting to be that comfortable place within your own psyche of 
dealing with death. But it's up to the doctor, right, doctor, to decide. It's it's I, I help assist the the nurses and the other and the and the family choose what tur- what turns out to be the best method of pain control. For example, there's a lot of different things we can use. Uh, we use morphine. We use fentanyl. We use non-opiates. We use anything that's that's necessary in order to provide pain management and comfort in the last stages of life. Uh, Brian, I promised you a chance to talk about your very first patient. Yeah, I just want to say it wasn't one of our very first ones, but it was one of the challenging early patients that we had. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so I was, uh, when we first started uh, the hospice c- uh, component, um, the four four partners uh, would accept call from seven p.m. until seven a.m. and um, so I got a call on a Friday night, um, seven p.m. ish, and uh, it was from a hospital down south in San Diego, and they said, "Hey, we've got a challenging patient that we would like to see if you'd help us with," and um, I said, "Yep, we'll take him." And they said, "No, you don't even know what it is yet." And I said, "Okay, well, what do you got?" And uh, so the patient was a uh, ventilated patient, which means they're on a breathing machine that is breathing for them and they said would you be able to uh, take a patient that's got a vent and I said yeah absolutely they said when can you take them and I said when can you have them here and so they flew the patient from San Diego up to um, San Luis Obispo and I'm sorry Paso Robles and uh, we accepted this patient on a vent Um, I contacted one of my nurses and said this is what we got and she said yeah no problem and um, that patient was a rancher, rural, out in Paso Robles. Um, he thrived when he got on service. The, the, the hospital said that he was going to be dead within two or three days. Um, we got this patient on. All he wanted to do was get back to his ranch and get into bed and let his dogs climb all over him because that is what he missed. And uh, he thrived. He was on for months and months. What did you learn from that, Brad? It was actually a very powerful moment for me because everybody else had denied him. They wouldn't take him. And um, I said, this is why we do what we do. We, we take the care of patients who are the tough ones. And that's how we started. Uh, we would get the, the really tough patients. We would get the homeless patients. We would get the tough ones that nobody wanted. And we said yes. And um, we still do that today. Hmm. So, but if you um, had the call from Jimmy Carter, you'd say oh, yes. Oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. What a great man. You got a story? Um, the stories that I have is more of just a general theme of how grateful the families tend to be that they put their loved one on hospice because it, it took the burden of care and comfort care and providing for their last days or weeks of life on, onto professionals that do this for a living. And it just let them comfort their loved ones without having to worry about managing their pain and having to worry about the financialist uh, implications or having to worry about changing them and and taking care of them. It it just is such a relief to families and, of course, to the patient themselves. Dr. Steve Sainsbury and Brian Pritt with us from Central Coast Home Health and Hospice. Talking a little bit about Jimmy Carter, a little bit about hospice. Oh, here we go. On the Stolberg Tatum text line, listener wants us to talk about hospice for children. Wow, that's uh, that's a good topic. Um, we're actually uh, in San Luis Obispo County. Um, there's currently no hospice um, agency that's accepting pediatric patients, and um, 
we've had a very big thorough discussion um, and we came together as our agency and we've decided that this year um, we're picking up the torch and we're going to start providing uh, pediatric hospice uh, just as soon as we can get the qualifications for it. Well, to back up, why why is that the case that nobody locally, we just mentioned four or five agencies. Why does anybody work with children? Um, it's a tough nut. It's um, it's a very different ball game because there is still curative uh, treatments that are acceptable to the hospice care of pediatrics. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a very good question, um, and our community has been lacking thereof. And I've been speaking with people over the past through the past year, and I've committed that um, we're one hundred percent going to be starting a pediatric um, care unit. Um, I, I hope to get it done this year, Doctor. Yeah, I'm I, surprised by that. Uh, I'm not surprised because it's a, a two year old who is dying is much harder to take care of than a 92-year-old who is dying. Hmm. There's a lot more implications involved. It takes, I think, experts that are not readily available to make sure that that comfort care is provided. I don't know if I'd be, I would have to do extra training. I don't know if I would feel qualified to take care of a two-year-old who is dying uh, in an efficient and humane ma- and, and manner that, that would be compatible with hospice guidelines. Yeah, and it's very detailed oriented. Um, and just, just what Dr. Sainsbury had just alluded to, um, let me just back up for a second and tie it into when we first started hospice here, um, you know, it, there was a lot of learning curves, uh, one of which was a nurse is not a hospice nurse. A, a hospice nurse is a specific person that wants to help with the transition into the next phase. And the majority of nurses want to help people get better and to transition into more life. So the same thing what Steve just alluded to about the pediatric care, this is going to be very, very specifically trained nurses that can deal and understand the concepts of still seeking curative treatment by at the same time still accepting hospice. And I think it's important for everyone to recognize that in hospice, we don't accelerate death. We don't make it come sooner. We let nature take its course, and during that course, we provide comfort and dignity, but we do not accelerate. We don't give medications and say, if you give this much, then you know your your loved one will die sooner. We uh, it's it's an important it's an important principle because we're asked sometime. I know I've been asked sometimes how to potentially accelerate the death of a loved one on hospice, and that's not our our charter. It's not our intent or not our goal. But do you see that ten twenty years from now still being the case, doctor? Well, uh, it's, it'll, as, as part of hospice, no. I don't think that hospice will be, uh, I, don't per, I don't perceive hospice as involving themselves in the Death with Dignity program directly. We do support patients that want to do that, but we don't do it ourselves. And for the listener and me, define death with dignity. What, what does that constitute? It's a law now passed in California that allows a person to... Uh, to take their own life through uh, some medications, but there's very, very strict criteria. They have to have two doctors sign off saying that they have a terminal disease uh, likely to take their life within six months. And most importantly, they have to be cognizant enough to self-administer the medication uh, that that someone else can't do it for them. 
And so oftentimes by the time someone is ready to do that, they're in such dire straits that they can't self-administer the medications. But my, my point is, is that in hospice, we, we don't prolong life, we don't give out that medication, we, we want to provide comfort and care and let nature take its course. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, a listener is writing in that Dignity Hospice is taking pediatric patients. Do we know anything about that? You know, the, the last that I had heard um, was that they had um, not accepted the last uh, few. So I, I, I don't... I, I, to be determined. Yeah, I don't okay. know. Fair I enough. don't know. I've had a couple of patients that were teenagers... Um, and, and so technically we're, we're pediatric patients, but I think probably what Brian is talking about is more the six month old, the 12 month old, the three year old, true, true pediatric patients that have a very unique set of, of needs. All right. We're in conversation with uh, Brian Pritt and Dr. Steve Sainsbury from Central Coast Home Health and Hospice. Talk a little bit about former president Jimmy Carter and what the whole hospice concept is all about. We'll come back for a final segment right here on KVEC. All right, we're in our final segment with my guests, uh, Brian uh, Pritt and Dr. Steve Sainsbury from Central Coast Home Health and Hospice, talking about former President Carter and the hospice experience, if you want in. We need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830. Tina's in Aurora Grad Day on KVEC. Hi, Tina. Oh, hi. Hi. Good to hear. It's always good to hear people talking about hospice and early access. And um, I've been working with hospice since a long while, 84. But um, I did want to say that Dignity Hospice is taking pediatrics, our pediatric nurses, are back from leave, and it's hard because we don't you don't have a large population of pediatrics. So even if you've got pediatric nurses, it can be far and few between. Um, but it's definitely uh, a different breed. But I love hearing people uh, promote hospice because most people will always say, "I wish I called sooner." Anyway, that's all I got. Tina, thank you for calling in. Doctor? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are that they do have pediatric care for hospice because uh, it would be sad for a pediatric patient that needs hospice care not, not, be, not be able to get it uh, in their home here in, in San Luis County. And, Brian, the point that people say, gee, I wish I'd called hospice sooner. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it's 100%, um, what do I want to say, um, it's a relief when patients finally do get on hospice and they say, I wish I had done this sooner. Um, we hear that all the time within our, as again, once, once they start getting the love from all of our clinicians and volunteers um, that come out, um, we have a music program that they come out and they provide music. We have spiritual counseling um, if the patient chooses that. Um, we have bereavement. Who pays for all this? It's all paid for by Medicare, um, private insurances as well. Um, but there's no out-of-pocket cost to a patient or their family whatsoever. Hmm. Hospice also has volunteers that come out and will just sit with the patient and talk with them um, and, and maybe do errands for them or just help them out. And these volunteers are amazing people. I would like to also add that 
Uh, every two weeks we have a meeting in which we talk about every single hospice patient in our area. And I wish, I wish everyone could come in and listen to these meetings and listen to the care. I don't do nearly as much work as the nurses and the social workers and the spiritual counselors and the other people do. And I am just in awe of the compassion and kindness that they show to their hospice patients. I'd like to ask each of you, what, your, what is your experience? Do hospice patients tend to be at peace with themselves once they're in hospice? I, I believe so. Um, I've seen uh, some really tough situations where families are just torn apart, um, disagreeing that dad decided that he was going to go on hospice. Um, but then I've seen the full circle where uh, the family has come back in and said, you know, this, I wasn't ready for that. But the wow, the, the wow factor of what the clinicians were able to do and show how to treat the family, um, not just the patient, but the family. And um, yeah, so yes. Do you find the patients I, at peace? Absolutely. It's, I think it's a very rare circumstance, and it does happen rarely, but a rare circumstance where the needs are not able to be met of both the patient and the family. Dr. Steve, you travel the world uh, doing good work. How do we compare to other countries in our approach to death? I think that in, in a, many, many countries, um, the approach to death is much more pragmatic and practical. Uh, they, pro they practice hospice philosophies without maybe having formal hospice organizations, but we're kind of freaked out by death in our country. Yeah, we are, aren't we? And, and it's, we're very afraid of it, and as a result, people delay coming onto hospice thinking it's going to accelerate their death, when on the contrary, it just will provide comfort and dignity during that process. So no, I, I think we, we're getting better, but we're still a little bit behind a lot of other cultures in accepting death as part of our normal process. I have an agenda with this question. My, my dad lived to 95, my mom made it to 98. Neither one of them needed hospice. Uh, they both went pretty quick. But in the next 20 years, what might hospice be like? What might I look forward to? Well, uh, when you say that neither of them needed it, and so no, they just went, they went, boom, they were gone. Right. But what I'm saying is that perhaps six months prior to that, um, there could have been some care that was given that perhaps they didn't know they needed. Perhaps. Yeah. I'm just wondering, Dr. Steve, I mean, do you expect um, there, A, will there still be a hospice? Uh, B, will we be rethinking? our approach to hospice because of all the people who are coming to that age? I think that, uh, first of all, A, absolutely there will be hospice, and B, I think it will become more expanded. I think that it will become easier to get onto hospice at an earlier time. Um, I think Medicare will probably open up their, relax their guidelines a little bit so that someone like your folks would be eligible for hospice care, even though they don't have a definite disease diagnosis. I'm guessing right. that even though they don't have a definite disease diagnosis of six months or less to live and get the benefits of hospice. Uh, so that's what I predict in 20 years uh, as we approach death with more uh, introspection and, re and realization that it's going to happen to all of us. Dr. Steve, anything else you wanted to say about Jimmy Carter and his... Uh Use of hospice. I'm happy that he publicized it. You know, he could have just kept this quiet, but he but he publicized it, and it's it's gonna. I th I think that it will help hospices around the the country 
if Jimmy Carter, if it's good enough for him, it might be good enough for other people that might have been reluctant otherwise. Brian, uh, what's the website one last time, please? CentralCoastHomeHealth.com. As a think of a final thought, let me remind you that after news, we have Dr. Kathy Karens on this broadcast from Cal Poly. Her book is At Home in the World. California Women and the Post-War Environmental Movement. Great conversation. Our thanks to Dr. Steve Sainsbury and Brian Pritt for a great conversation as well. Brian, final thoughts? Just that what Steve had said that, um, thankfully, President Carter has taken it upon himself to bring awareness to a really overlooked uh, opportunity for people facing the end of life. Dr. Steve, got about 30 seconds. In 30 seconds, I would like to say that I hope people, if nothing else, take away from our conversation that hospice provides dignity and comfort as we make the transition to another life. I think I went short of 30 seconds. That's right. (laughs) We can debate more about whether or not I'm entering hospice. A little uh, quick excerpt. The rancher that died... um, he was part of the original class of mission that painted the big M on the rocks up I'm, in San Luis Obispo. I'm just happy he died at home in his bed with his dogs. That's about as good as you can get. Gentlemen, thank you. Appreciate the discussion. Thank you. Off we go. We got news and traffic and weather. Dr. Kathy Carnes up next. Great book. Great conversation. Stick around. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.